We are the MarketScale creator community, and these are our stories. Join us as we tell the stories of the bold creators that are challenging the status quo in the world of business media. This is the Creator's Manifesto, the podcast of the MarketScale creator community. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Creator's Manifesto. I'm Tyler Kern, and today I'm joined by Shannon Gilly. Shannon, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thrilled to have you on, man. So uh, tell us a little bit about the work that you do for MarketScale um, and, uh, and and a little bit more about your expertise and background. Yeah, I'm on the 3D creator team, so um, I'll, I'll dig in and I'll make products look sexy, hopefully, and, and show off their features, uh, throw some effects on top and, uh, you know, hopefully make an awesome marketing video for a lot of the clients that we have. And uh, Shannon, where are you located in the world? I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Very cool. Very cool. Especially during the winter. Extremely cool. But, uh, <laughs> it's fall right now. It's very comfortable. Uh, fall is an awesome time of year. I just try to not think about the other five months that come after it. <laughs> I do. Uh, being a Texas guy, I don't I don't envy those winters, but I'm sure uh, you probably don't envy our summers. So, you know, yeah. it's, you uh, it's a big old give and take this whole world. Um, yes, it is. So Shannon, tell us a little bit about how you first got into 3D in the first place. I always find this this fascinating because to, to me anyways, 3D design and, and the sort of work that you do isn't um uh it, it's not it's not a path that I know that's that's well trodden and maybe it is, but but tell me a little bit about how you got into it in the first place. Well, I think it is more now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm of an age where when I got started it was more sort of exclusive magic, like you know, what's behind the curtain kind of a thing. Um, You know, I really got interested in it when I was a kid watching movies. You know, the first one that I remember that really grabbed me was The Black Hole, like a 79 Disney movie that, you know, wasn't the best movie overall, but had some really interesting visuals and and effects in it. And um, like Star Trek II completely grabbed my imagination. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, and there were a couple of others like The Last Starfighter. And that kind of when I was growing up really got me interested in that sort of a thing. I, I had no concept that, that, that I would actually be able to do that sort of a thing. It was just this black box. Uh, but in the early nineties, I was in college. Um, you know, I, I was starting to figure out maybe this is something that I could actually do. So I was looking for places in the twin cities that would work out for me. And, you know, there was just a guy who was running some classes at night and I, like I reached out to him and I, asked if I could help. And you know, I was literally sweeping his floors just to try and be in a place where this sort of thing was happening so that I could try to learn because there weren't schools or classes for it. At that time, it was really sort of, you know, word of mouth and almost like more of an oral history of, you know, how this sort of thing gets done. And that gradually turned into an internship at a studio here in town uh, in advertising. So I was making commercials and learning on the job. And you know, between that and being in education and working in a few different industries like courtroom graphics, you know, that's what I've done for the last, you know, close to 30 years now. How have you seen things like maybe technology evolve over that time to, you know, kind of change how you're able to 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 do these things? Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the industry is always evolving and changing. That's one of the challenges, but one of the fun parts of being a 3D animator is like the tool sets always changing and you know, it's a pretty sophisticated piece of software that you're using. So it's also trying to figure out how to leverage this Swiss army knife to all these different kinds of jobs. You know, certainly computers have gotten a lot faster and storage has gotten a lot bigger. And, you know, we used to deliver jobs on 
tapes and have to like drive them out to the, the FedEx at the uh, at the airport. And I feel bad for our producer who had to do that. And nowadays we just hit a button, you know, and it's there in a matter of seconds. But I think as the technology has grown, the the appetite for sophisticated visuals has grown as well. So certainly if you look back at animation and visual effects in the late 80s, early 90s, it's evolved today. Um, so it's almost like, okay, this got easier, but now we've raised the bar a little bit. So there's so there's an equilibrium of challenge there. Um, but you know, I mean, if it ever became easy, I think it would lose some of its luster. You know, that's part of the fun is figuring out how the heck we're going to do this. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really interesting point, you know. And I, I think back to to when you started, and I, I'm curious what the what the appetite was for that kind of work that you were doing. I mean, we we're seeing right now at market scale, anyways, the interest in in 3D as as a marketing kind of product, I suppose, uh, really explode here in 2022 and and last year in 2021. But was there that same appetite um, then in the early 90s, or, or have you seen that kind of grown as the sophistication has grown? You know, I, I do think the appetite for it has grown. Things are cyclical, um, but you know, certainly two D animation was the the way of things in the eighties for the most part. Um, you know, there were some incubators. You know, like the the predecessor to Pixar. You know, uh, mm -hmm. if you will, but you know, they were they making a few commercials here and there. Some animation studios were starting to kind of be willing to experiment a little bit with three D animation here and there. Um, but as a, as a full blown, like half hour or feature film medium, it, it really wasn't a thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, Toy Story obviously broke it wide open. Um, and Pixar was such an innovator in that space. And, and a, a lot of other people have followed suit and done really amazing things on their own. So I think the appetite has grown. The other thing that's really interesting, and this isn't necessarily a 3d thing, but I think the appetite for adult animation has really grown in the last small handful of years. Um, you know, Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix has become like a huge thing, and I absolutely love the anthology. But also, you know, BoJack Horseman, mm -hmm. not 3D, but, but you know, for a more mature audience. Um, Don Hertzfeld's favorite animator. He's been working for a really, really long time and like these beautifully elegant, simple, like line drawings, but they're, they're so emotionally impactful. Um, his work is great. Um, Oh, Arcane League of Legends was on Netflix maybe a year ago. Blew my mind. It's so cool. So there's been a lot, you know, and the pandemic has a lot to do with this too. You know, live action entertainment production had to shut down right. for COVID. Uh, but then people pivoted and they figured out, well, you know, we can still make animation out of our homes. Uh, and so that was able to move forward. And I think in some ways that's probably not really going to go away. I shouldn't say never, but, <laughs> you know, people have found a way to, to work where they are. Um, and so that, I think that industry was able to thrive to some extent through the pandemic when other places really hurt more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, um, I'm trying to remember exactly when I discovered Archer, but I, I love the show. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. it's yeah. a great one, right? Yeah. 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 The, the, the mature writing and you know, the, the sort of darker, more satirical humor, you know, I'm a big fan of that stuff. So where nowadays do you draw inspiration from? Are you, do you, I mean, you, you talked about some of the shows that you watched um, here, here yeah, over the yeah. last year or two and that sort of thing. Is that kind of where you draw some, you know, new inspiration and that sort of thing? Yeah, that stuff really keeps me energized. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I like to play video games as well. Um, 
you know, like Horizon Zero Dawn sticks out as a favorite, um, not because it's just a beautiful game, but the story is so well written. Um, the Last of Us, same thing. Um, you know, Bioshock. You know, there's a lot of really like it, video games is a storytelling medium unlike any other. And um, because it's interactive, you can connect with the characters and the stories in a way that you don't if you're watching a movie. And mm -hmm. it's um, it's really engrossing. It's a lot of fun and, and it keeps me inspired. Um, you know, I've been playing around in VR a bit, too. I was messing around with Gravity Sketch, uh, which is sort of a virtual space 3D modeling program. And it's a really it's a really unique experience because it's completely gestural and, you know, it's not keyboard and mouse kinds of things. And you're, you know, you're making things in 3d space with your hands and moving around. And it's, it's really interesting. It, it's, um, I, I, I imagine someday it will replace the keyboard and mouse way of making things, but for now it's maybe more of a novelty, but I, I love people who are trying to push the tool set in these really interesting, unique directions. Hmm. So yeah, it, always evolving. Yep. What What are maybe some of the most significant evolutions that you've seen, uh, kind of throughout your your time in the industry? Oh boy, um, you know, not to get too into the weeds on this, but there were certain kinds of ways of building three dimensional models where, you know, branching structures were really hard to deal with. The forming surfaces were kind of hard to deal with, and then, uh, you know along came almost like a new iteration on this very, very old way of making surfaces where the the shapes and the topologies are completely flexible and you can do all sorts of things with them. So, you know, for the people in the industry, moving from NURBS to polygons and also subdivision surfaces was a, was a really big thing. Uh, but also you know, the capabilities of rigged characters so that you can make them so much more expressive uh, and the complexity of some of the character rigs at the highest end studios, you know, just amazing with their thousands of controls. It's, I have so much respect for people who can put those things together. Um, you know, rendering and the ability of renderers to emulate the physical world in an accurate way, uh, but also give you that level of art direction control. That's been something that uh, has become a huge bonus for us, just trying to make those things look convincing, having the software based in you know a, a physics-based way of doing things is has been really huge too the effects industry has grown as well you know houdini um comp compositing uh, with nuke you know these these things have really given talented people the ability to to push what they're making and mm -hmm. uh it's it's so great to be in this industry and, and watch what other people are doing you really Kind of when you were describing how you got into the industry, really went hard for it, you know, uh, sweeping floors to be able to, to yeah. just kind of be in and around the industry, right? Like, mm -hmm. was there ever a thought of doing anything else or was it always just kind of like, this is my passion, this is what I want to do? Well, I mean, I went to school for, I mean, I started in electrical engineering. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I liked science. I liked technology. Um, you know, I did all right in school. So I thought maybe that was a thing. But before I even took my first double E class, I figured out this was going to be too dry and I probably really wasn't smart enough to do that really well. So, you know, I changed majors a couple of times, but once I kind of realized that I might be able to learn from people who came before me um, and that there were studios in the Twin Cities area that were actually doing these things and maybe I could go hang out with them. Maybe I could go get an internship. That was really the, the genesis of me 
thinking that it could be a real thing. And mm. I'm, I'm so thankful to the people who, you know, sent the, the, sent the elevator down for me and showed me how it was done and, and nurtured me along. I, I can't thank those folks enough. So what, what are some of the, your, your, the, your favorite projects that you've done over the course of your career? I mean, it doesn't have to be with market scale, just anybody. Oh, along yeah, the way. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, the thing that, one of the things that I'm really proud of, uh, is I was, um, for a stretch, I was the lead modeler for a Disney series called Roly Polioli, uh, which was on in the late 90s, early aughts. And that was such a fun project to be a part of. Um, and, you know, an international production and an international distribution. And, you know, Bill Joyce is such a great author and art director. Uh, and that was a lot of fun working with a really big team like that, where, like, even I just saw a small part of the team, you know, th this production stretched across multiple countries. And it was really interesting to see how episodic television is made where these, you know, uh, little capsules of episodes are leapfrogging over each other. And, and I gained so much respect for, you know, uh, showrunners and, and the producers that have to deal with that sort of thing. But it was really fun, like just getting storyboards in every week, figuring out what we had to do and, you know, and making it happen. Um, and it was a really cute show. Um, and, and I always still, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, you know, once in a while meet people and say, oh yeah, I really love that show. So that gives me a really good feeling that I was able to do that. Um, you know, I was able to direct a couple of commercials for Mattel. Uh, that was a really interesting experience for me. Um, I was able to be involved in a, a, a sitcom pilot for CBS. It didn't get picked up uh, for a variety of reasons, but um, it featured a 3D character as one of the you know main cast and so it was fascinating you know i was only 20 maybe 21 at the time and wow. so i got to go out to hollywood like i'm a i'm a minnesota boy right so <laughs> i got to go to hollywood i got to go to cbs television city and i got to be in a sound stage and i got to watch all these people do their work and then on the 3d side you know a bunch of really smart people who you know, we're, we're fortunate. I was fortunate enough to have them bring me in, but just watching them problem solve how we're going to do this sort of thing. And we were motion capturing the talent on the set and then we were going to replace that with this, you know, CG character. And it was just, it was a really fascinating experience for me. That's incredible. Uh, just some amazing stories there. I'm, I'm absolutely positive. And, you know, you were talking about some of the things that were intriguing to you, you know, right now, whether it's, it's VR and some of those other things. What, what are you still learning? Like, it, I, I'm assuming that this is a, a field where there's always something new to explore. There's always another avenue to go down. So, we're, you know, what, what, uh, which of those threads are you pulling at at the moment? Yeah, lifelong learning is kind of a cliche, but it's 100% true. You <laughs> cannot stop right. learning things. And in fact, just in the course of business, uh, you know, on a normal day or a normal week, you have to figure out how to do something that you haven't done before. Or you have to figure out how to do it in a way that's more efficient or with a different set of constraints than you've maybe done it before. And, you know, I mean, as I mentioned, the 3D software is so sophisticated. Um, it's, it's certainly become a lot user friendly, but, you know, there's a million different things you can do with that piece of software. So just trying to figure out how to leverage the tools that are available uh, in a way that, you know, doesn't break the project, satisfies all the client needs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm hopping on YouTube all the time trying to figure out how to do stuff. Um, and it's you can contrast that with where we were 30 years ago when we had to break out the software manual. Right. I mean, this is when email was still <laughs> a fairly new thing. So we're we're 
paging through the book and trying to figure things out and, and the learning resources that are available now are just they're uh, they're such a godsend so um you know what kind of threads am i pulling on um rendering is always really interesting to me just really trying to push closer and closer to that completely realistic you know photorealistic or even hyper realistic is probably a better term for product marketing because you want to make it look real but perfect uh better than real um so you know you know rendering and and all the different things that you can do with making a surface look a certain way or applying different kinds of lights or uh you know effects like well what if i want to fog this room up you know what would be the best way to go about doing that there's there's a lot there's so much that you can just dive into just on the rendering side alone, which is to say nothing about animating, building models, uh, rigging things, effects, you know, I mean, I'm a generalist, so I don't do any one thing as well as an expert in that area would do it. But at the same time, I'm kind of a, well, I'm a utility player, so I'll jump in where I'm needed or, you know, hopefully I can do a project from start to finish uh, on my own. So there's, there's pluses and minuses to being a generalist versus a specialist. So as a generalist, there's so many different threads that you have to pull on, you know, uh, in a in a week or in a month. So, you know, that's part of the that's part of the fun. Um, I have so much respect for specialists, but I don't I don't regret my decision to be a generalist because I get to wear different hats, and that's a lot of fun. Absolutely, you know, and you mentioned the the uh, array of training materials these days and how it differs from um, maybe those early days in the nineties when, you know, you were going to instruction manuals and, and things like that. What, what advice do you have for people who want to get into this now, uh, who might be listening to this thinking, uh, Hey, that, that might be something I want to do, you know, a, as a career, where do you suggest someone start? What, what, what advice would you give to someone who, who's looking into that? That's an awesome question. There's different schools of thought. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, some people think I uh, go to school in person. Some people will say, well, there's really good schools online. Some people will say you can learn everything you need to know just by going online, just by watching tutorials. Um, and I think there's merit to all of those arguments. And I don't mm-hmm. think there's one right answer. But um, I will say just sitting in a room by yourself and watching tutorials and then playing around with some things, you can develop probably the how-tos and the technicals, but working with other people really helps you develop your creative eye. Um, You know, the aesthetic, um, you know, looking for, well, where can I plus this? You know, it's, it's looking okay. I'm not hundred percent in love with it, but I can't figure out why working around other people unlocks that, you know, that's the key. Um, And also you know, you're problem solving all the time. You can follow a tutorial and, you know, for whatever reason, something's not working and you get stuck. It happens all the time. And uh, until you've had a fair amount of experience, it can be hard to problem solve that. Like, why am I stuck? Let's start to, you know, I, I like your term of pulling on threads. Like, okay, here are the five threads that I think are the most likely to yield good results. That's a really hard thing to do on your own when you're more of a rookie. So, Hmm. um, you know, I myself have not gone through an online school. And like I said, I kind of learned on the job. Um, I have taught, I've taught for many, many years at art schools. Uh, And so I'm really proud of the work that we did, um, you know, when I was in the classroom. And I'm so proud of all of these students who have gone off and done all these amazing things. And, you know, I'm happy to have put a couple of rungs on their ladder, but they were absolutely absolutely the ones that pulled themselves up. 
but it's fun to be a part of that experience. Um, and the argument against it, I think, is just cost. You know, education, not just in art, but across the board has has really become a thing. You know, I've got a I got a couple of kids who are, you know, college age, and that's certainly something that's on my mind. So, um, right. the, you know, there's so many different things to weigh. But I think the short answer probably is um, this is a multidisciplinary thing. So be interested in drawing, sculpting, photography, um, and let those things inform your aesthetic. Um, there are really good free programs out there. So you can, without a terrible amount of cost, get the tools you need. Um, and then finding a group of people who are similar, similarly uh, motivated as you and are passionate about the field. So whether that's an online school, whether that's, you know, there are user groups in the larger towns that are, they often gather around particular pieces of software. But um, I find a lot of those people are very generous in giving with their feedbacks, you know, mentoring. Uh, we've got some really good groups in town here for that sort of thing. So for a, for a pretty low cost, you know, it's not the $40,000 silicon graphics machine that you need anymore. You know, you can get into the game pretty easily now. So I think just finding similar, similarly passionate people uh, and being willing to dedicate the, the, the time that it takes to learn these softwares. Hmm. You can get yourself on board. Absolutely. No, I think, I think that's a fantastic answer. And, and, and like you said, um, there's so many different, uh, avenues to, to go down and, you know, um, different ways that people like to learn. And, and it's about finding kind of what works best for, I guess, a particular person, but just knowing that those avenues exist, I think is important and, and a good thing to highlight. Absolutely. Um, so we haven't talked at all really about, um, the work that you do here at market scale, but, uh, so far, what have you found enjoyable about it? What do you like about um, uh, about the 3D work that, that you're doing with us? Yeah, product marketing is a good fit for me. Um, so I mentioned I started in advertising and commercials, and there was a lot of fun. Those projects were relatively quick turnaround. So, you know, unlike a, a AAA video game or a feature film where you're working on it maybe, you know, one, two, three years or so, um, when you're making something like a commercial or here when you're making some product marketing videos for market scale, it could be a matter of weeks or, you know, even just a week to turn a product around, a project around. So that's one of the the things that's interesting. It, it's kind of like that idea of, okay, I'm a generalist. I get to wear different hats. Here, I get to work on a project for a little bit, and then I'm on to another project, and I'm on to another project. And, you know, each one is unique. There's sort of a different art direction to it. There's different things about the product that, you know, are the selling points. And, um, I mean, I should mention one of the things that's, interesting to me about the work that I do is you have to learn about a particular product or, you know, when I'm working on like a explainer video, uh, you kind of have to figure out things about different aspects of science or, you know, the way the world works. When I was doing courtroom graphics, I had to figure out how this, uh, you know, event took place. So there's like the subject matter expertise that you kind of have to absorb when you're working on a project. And so that's an interesting part of the market scale work is um, just taking a look at all these different projects, figuring out what their selling points are, and then figuring out how to highlight that stuff in a way that's going to be um, really like energizing and appealing and clear. Shannon Gilly, anything that you want people to know about you here before we sign off here on the, the Creators Manifesto today? 
Oh man, I don't know. I don't like to talk about myself very much. Uh, so that's, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I think your question about, well, how, how can you get into the industry? That's a good one. I think if people, if people are passionate about it and they are willing to become good problem solvers, because that's such an important part of it. Um, I would encourage you to explore this as a potential way of, you know, making a living. It's, it's, really grown. Um, I think it's something that's very possible for folks. And, uh, you know, don't give up on that. I think there's a lot of fun. Every industry, every job has stress, right? But there's so much fun in taking a blank screen and creating something from scratch uh, and, and bringing it to life. It's a really, really satisfying line of work. Absolutely. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Shannon Gilly, thank you so much for joining me here on this episode of the Creator's Manifesto and sharing a little bit more about your story, your passion for 3D and uh, and the work that you do. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, Tyler, I appreciate it so much. Thanks. Absolutely. And everyone out there, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Creator's Manifesto. Of course, for more, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or head to marketscale.com where you can check out the show page there under shows and uh, stay up to date with the latest episodes. You can go back and watch previous episodes. I was a guest on one of these, so, you know, that's always strange. Uh, but you can go and check out previous episodes. They are great. And you should subscribe to stay up to date with the latest. And if you're in the creator community here at MarketScale and you want to be featured on an episode, let us know. We'd love to uh, talk to more of our creators out there in the community. So join us for an episode. That would be excellent. You can always get in touch with me at tyler.kern at marketscale.com. And uh, we'll set something up just like this. But for this episode, for Shannon Gilly, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you next time.